0: This is the Convo Lounge. Expression. Exposure. Experience. Welcome to the Lounge podcast uh, with myself, Yanti Lenuku, and I've also got what I call uh, one of those people that I feel represent the idea of Botswana Bread Brilliance. Uh, in studio today, we've got uh, Mitepi Macheng. Uh, she is the co-founder and is leading one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, NGOs in the country called Youth Impact, formerly known as uh, Young Love, and so we're just here to hear uh, her journey uh, in contributing to social entrepreneurship in Botswana. Not only that, we found some interesting uh, insights when doing our research around unemployment, but also the relevance of young people uh, to the to, to to industry once they graduate from you know higher academic institutions. We found out that you know also uh, foundational numeracy and literacy is a big deal. Hanzi, uh, or most of the times if we don't get it right in primary school uh, chances are the student's ability to learn and perform even when they get to tertiary or even when they get into the world of work very limited and so these are some of the things that they are addressing uh as uh, youth impact in Botswana and that's why we have her on the Conva Lounge podcast. We's happy welcome to the Conva Lounge. Thank you so much (laughs) thank you I feel so honored to be here thank you so much Yandi. Yeah let's talk about um youth impact um this journey started about 10 plus years ago. Um, And I find the story quite interesting. I'm not going to say it out, but just share with us how the idea of Youth Impact came, which is formerly known as Young Love. Awesome. So I co-founded Youth
1: Impact organization with Noam Angrist uh, in the year we met initially in the year 2013. Uh, At that time, I was a law student. Uh, at the University of Botswana and he came in as a Fulbright scholar um, at the University of Botswana and so we became mutual friends Uh, we hung out a couple of times Uh, during that period a couple of you uh, know, key moments happened. One was that there was um, application for the Deep Price Education Challenge, uh, which is a grant that provides you know youthful organisations with seedling funding to work on proven interventions. So you know, Noam is very much a researcher. He's from a research background, and I was on my uh, law pursuit. But we were so compelled to apply. For the grant, uh, which you know, the idea was that we're going to implement a program that was targeting and focused on the risk of older partners on young girls, so you know, sugar daddies. And at when you're at the University of Botswana, this is much more prevalent Mm -hmm. uh, than ever before because after every end of month or even before, you see nice cars pulling up to the university Mm -hmm. uh, and you see, you know, uh, girls right uh, entertaining these older. Older men. Uh, but at that time, uh, you know, how we initially started, there was a research paper, uh, you know, or an intervention that had worked uh, in Kenya, which showed that, you know, revealing the risk of all the partners on young girls uh, and sharing with them that information uh, indeed reduced teenage pregnancy by 28 percent. Mm. So we took, um, you know, that paper and then we wanted to contextualize it to Botswana. So we applied for the grant. Um... And then we got it. And then we tried to fundraise, you know, locally uh, to, you know, with with various banks and insurance companies. Uh, And at that time, you know, we were advised to register an organization. So and then we did. And then we did a big launch uh, on March 22, uh, 2014 of launching the Young Love uh, organization. So all is to share that when we started, um, you know, I had a partner our gnome who we closely worked with on the vision of uh, the organization but also it just started as an idea and i think you know with entrepreneurs as well as you know folks that are thinking about starting anything right it starts with an idea and if you have someone right they can help you execute it uh, and also ensure that you know you can actually realize you know the dream Uh, so we followed through we followed through Uh, we started first you know with a team uh, of four you know people that were volunteering for many many months Uh, now we are a team of over 300 Uh, we started you know in a very small uh, office space at the University of Botswana in Enri Gubile Uh, but now we have since you know Scaled our operations to over 10 countries. And I think one of the beauty thing about uh, the organization is our mission uh, has always remained the same. Our mission is to connect young people to proven life changing information. So even when you look at the genesis of how we started our programming, uh, it was very focused. Uh, we weren't going to do, you know, other interventions that didn't fit within health and education. Uh, and we were very clear about that from the onset. So hence why I think has been uh, really inspiring, uh, but also has catalyzed our growth uh, to really be mission focused and actually
0: know what we, we are good at. Mm. Let's talk about that key moment with It's norm, right? Yes. Um, you was part of the Fulbright exchange program i mean he could have met anyone really uh but he met you um and i don't want to say it was by accident um but i see an element there of networking but also cultural intelligence it's not every day you meet someone and you're like oh let's go and apply for an opportunity well talk to that um the idea of being culturally intelligent but also being open to different uh partnerships or collaborations with people that are not necessarily from Botswana. Yeah, no, absolutely. So let me also just share that I've always been interested
1: in everything. Okay. So... What I mean is At the University of Botswana I was in various clubs I was very much a busybody And I think One thing that is helpful Is that to catalyze You know your purpose You have to find out Different things uh, That you're interested in So in another world If I had just sat uh, At a classroom And went back home I wouldn't have had opportunities To be in a club Where you know No one would know about it And then we'll become Actual friends for that mm-hmm. So it does help you to go a little bit you know more beyond um, you know your your scope or your comfort zone to try new things yeah. so i think the opportunity made me there uh, and one of the things that i used to do you know especially if you're meeting someone who is not from mozana you want to share with them right uh a, a little bit more you know beyond um what what's what makes mozana special uh, and if you're excited and you, if you love your country uh, another person will be able to to learn from you but also find that ec- exciting, right? Mm-hmm. So I think particularly when you are welcoming folks from, from different um, parts of the world, you know, of course their countries are developed, right? But there's something special mm-hmm. uh, about Botswana and that is what, you know, I have always carried uh, forward on uh, but also just to share and, you know, the optimistic, um, you know qualities about our country and I think that attracts people mm. right mm. imagine if someone uh, was on and saying, that country mm. you know you need to you need to sell your country right um, and also love it right in in its qualities and as well as this uniqueness of it and I think if you lead with that positivity uh, folks will also be uh, quite you know endeared mm. uh, to be able to uh, still so feel the same let me put you on the sport mm.
0: what makes Botswana on special so, it <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh, many, many things. Okay. One of the things that I think is unique about uh, Botswana is our, our peace and stability. And having, you know, had the privilege of really spending time um across many countries, you find that uh, there's so many things that are happening, whereas, um, you know, the roads are busy, there's a lot of, you know, traffic jams, uh, and like so many, order. you know, the crime rates are, are significantly high but when you come to Botswana you do feel a sense of bustle but it's also quite uh, peaceful as as well as stable also one of the things that's very unique about uh, our country is that we really prioritize young people uh, in the sense that when you look at as well as you know prioritize young people but also have a a safety net uh, for a young person to grow uh, quite adequately in the country when you look at our primary education uh, up until our tertiary education government is providing full uh, funding for for that uh, which is really quite special and quite unique uh, to Botswana when you look at for example in the economic side of things Mm -hmm. uh, you know uh, youth development fund uh, you are actually encouraging young people to be uh, at the forefront Mm -hmm. of of you know, um, engaging in, in these benefits by government. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a number of array of, um, you know, special things about Botswana. The sunset is, you know, unique um, and, you know, the animals uh, and just the peace and tranquility. I can't overemphasize that. Yeah. I feel like it has a different balance of, you know, being wanting to be a country that is you know, develops beyond uh, its borders, but also at the same time, uh, we are still trying to improve our country so that nexus is actually quite um, an interesting one about mm-hmm. our country. And just the people I mean, oh, you can see Horim Gimang Motswana, who's from Southern Africa mm-hmm. uh, we're quite special in, mm-hmm. in many ways yeah. warm, uh, loving um, as well as
0: quite generous mm-hmm. so that's how I would say you know, Botswana is there could be someone or a young person who doesn't know how to package what you've said. So, for example, uh, our stability, our peace, our tranquility, how does that actually translate into value? You know, for somebody who's not from Abu why is it even important um, for us to mention that? What would you say?
1: I think it's important because it actually has driven a lot of our good governance mm-hmm. uh, as a country mm-hmm. um, but also to be known right by international um, you know bodies that Botswana is a country uh, that has you know peace and stability mm-hmm. and and it also makes it much more possible to, you know, work um, as a, you know, someone from internationally coming to work in Botswana. Uh, you know, who you're not dealing with, um, you know, let's say for example, different right currency exchanges every uh, now and there or rapid inflation points, right? Uh, so it also helps on how the country affairs are run, mm-hmm. uh, and and it also helps everyone right feel that they can operate in the country so all is to share that it it plays a significant role uh on how we are seen you know nationally but also more importantly uh internationally and of course you know there are other areas uh that the country you know can can do better on and please don't ask me (laughs) what Um, but you know i do think uh in terms of where we sit Mm -hmm. relative to other african uh, countries uh we we are really um on on the right track
0: Mm. Hope you're finding this as, as insightful as I am. Got to go for a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we conclude on the second uh, half of this conversation with Mutepi Maching. Have a business? Advertise with us. Reach us at info at theconvolounge.africa or plus Convo Lounge. Expression, exposure, experience you just joined us in conversation, we're talking to Mitepi Macheng, uh, talking all things uh, young people that are making an impact in Botswana, but also somehow in the corners, uh, contributing towards solving this longitudinal challenge of unemployment in the country. Um, So Mitepi, let's touch a little bit on what you're actually doing um, at Youth Impact. You've got this program called Teaching um, at the Right Level Initiative. Uh, Maybe touch on that and what difference you're trying to make in our education system. Absolutely. So one of the core challenges in the education system in
1: Botswana is that Botswana, you know, performs very well as a country in terms of high access rates having teachers you know in every school Uh, but there is a big challenge in quality learning so what do we mean by quality learning we mean that majority of the students are in class uh, but are not are falling behind Uh, the grade level or the curriculum expectation. So what teaching at the right level aims to address is the learning crisis that our country is in. I think, Yandile, you've seen our results from PSLE to JCE to BGCSE. Uh, They are declining year after year. But what we have found when we initially started teaching at the right level, we found that 10% of the five students uh, are at division. This means that majority, the 90%, are not at the curriculum expectation. So what teaching at the right level aims to do is to group students according to their different learning abilities rather than by age uh, or grade and focusing on providing targeted instruction. So what do we mean when you take maths? Uh, either addition, uh, subtraction, multiplication or division. So you group students Students according And then you target teaching so that they can progress to other levels. So the program is, you know, very much uh, effective. It has worked uh, on a number of countries in Ghana, Nigeria, Zambia. You know, they're implementing it at national scale. It's one of the leading education interventions uh, that shows, you know, improving uh, numeracy or, or learning loss uh, in the child. So this program focuses about, on foundational skills how do you work acquire foundational skills Ribuaka math or numeracy or literacy or reading so you know if a student can be able to read uh, a simple word uh how are they able to progress or how are they able to interpret uh information uh as they you know get into future years so the idea around it is to build foundational skills as they are necessary uh to ensure a young person can access the world mm.
0: So you've obviously had some impact in the education sector. Um, let's talk about some of the strategic partnerships you've had to put in place to be able to scale um, across the country and even beyond the country. I know that you're working in close collaboration with the Ministry of Education here in Botswana. And I think that has been largely also you know, a catalyst to your expansion uh, across the country. Let's talk about that. Uh, Here you are, you're a young person, you've got an organization 10 years in. I would imagine such a partnership doesn't just come overnight. Um, Talk to us about the building blocks towards this and maybe touch on some of the hurdles you've had to cross over.
1: Yeah, so I'm a firm believer that for any change to happen, it takes 10 years. And I strongly believe that. Um, And here's why. Uh, When we initially started as an organization, uh, we were welcomed you know, in partnership with the government because of our track record. Uh, but now, for example, where we sit, we've signed a memorandum of understanding with the Ministry of Education to be able to scale um, you know, to all primary schools in the country by the year 2026. So, so to date, we are in eight out of 10 regions, but we have a long way to, to push. Uh, and in, in tucked into that, one of our scale strategies is we're working with teachers to train them up to deliver you know, our programs, but also the national service uh, program participants, Matirilos Chaba. We train Matirilos Chaba who are placed in schools uh, to deliver, you know, our interventions. And one of the things that this provides and brings the Ministry of Youth along is to upskill them, uh, but also to give them the necessary engagement whilst they're still at school level. Uh, We have found that those that have transitioned uh, out from Tiritilos Chaba, you know, they are interested more in getting an education qualification. Some of them are absorbed within our organization, uh, Youth Impact, but also some, you know, pursue uh, other, you know, business uh, initiatives and skills. And one of the things that's very important for us is to really build, you know, that cohort uh, of, of skills uh, as it relates to young people. Uh, but of course, you can't do, you know, this work uh, without partnership in terms of resources. So we have really tapped into the international um, market uh, for donors uh, to be able to support a lot of our expansion work uh, but also really exciting that they can you know see the organization through in it, its further years mm-hmm. uh, and that has also been helpful I think one of the things to tap into a lot of organizations as you may know in Botswana struggle because of funding uh, but we have really leveraged our you know a lot of the things that we do uh, in terms of mission. Uh, our mission is to really connect youth to proven life-saving information so we are always on the constant um, you know pursuit of results uh, of conducting you know research to be able to back up uh, our work and as well as you know know what actually is working Mm -hmm. so and I think that's something that's really needed uh, as we move into the international uh, philanthropic space to actually say do you have results right uh, that can be able to speak about the impact of your program and that's something that we've had initially from from the beginning we also have built a business development team okay. uh, that's also an exciting thing that we did from you know the initial stages of the growth of organization and the expectation is that all managers are fundraising Mm. Uh, and that's how you know we keep the lights on uh, but also you know grow the team uh, to where it is we we believe that every manager or even if you're a senior leader you should always constantly be thinking about uh, how to fundraise uh, but also building the networks and partnerships uh, to allow you you know to get there Mm. and one of the last things that I would Share is that good people know other good people, right? Because I have Yandele in my network, and Yandele knows what I'm exactly about. In the rooms that I'm not present, I can only hope uh, that Yandele can be able to champion me. So that's the approach uh, that we have we have uh, taken. Um, some of the challenges and hurdles, I think, particularly if you're working with government, uh, you do require a lot of patience, uh, and I've gotten that appreciation from working with government over the years that you know sometimes right for someone to understand your vision but also for you to be able to move forward uh, you need to be able to listen to what they do want uh, but also what they are not communicating mm-hmm. and sometimes it's very helpful to, to be patient to understand that everything has a process uh, and you also have to respect you know that process uh, also I think you know as being a social entrepreneur uh, is you know we think a lot about team build Building, right as I shared, you know we grew uh, from a team of four. You know then I was a very young manager. I didn't have any tools uh, and systems, you know, to operate. But now, if you're managing a team um, of 300 all across the world, right? You think a lot about, you know, what are some of the mon- you know leadership muscles you have to build uh, over time? What are some of the tools and systems you have to put in place uh, to actually uh, build out a team? Because I believe any for any great thing. Uh, to happen. You need a team. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm a firm believer that the organization is the team. So, you know, just my transition uh, as a leader, you know, when I was 20 years old to now uh, I'm 30 years old uh, has been quite, you know, remarkable to actually even think about uh, what it took. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those are some of the challenges, uh, building a team, you know, finding, you know, the right opportunities for the organization, but also being mission focused. And I'm going to emphasize this because I see that a lot of organizations, they start and then they're doing different projects, climate change, education, health, you name it. But what we have done at the organization, we said, what are we good at? We're good at information delivery, but also we're good at young people getting to deliver information to other young people and also focus on health and education. So anything beyond there, uh, you know, even though we are asked all the time, uh, we, we won't necessarily you know take, right? Because we have to be focused um, as an organization, and other people see that we're focused, and that's why they want to work with us. Right now, we're in this privileged position where we can actually turn down, um, you know, donor funding if it doesn't align to our mission, uh, if it doesn't allow, you know, align to our timeline. And I think this is something, you know, the NGO community uh, in Botswana should develop. Right, so we shouldn't be the ones chasing uh, for funding. We should get to the shift. At uh, this point, where people chase us uh, because of what we are good at um, as organisations.
0: High five! <laughs> <laughs> um, I find it quite interesting that you know you've initially spoke about your growth strategy. You attracted more international donor funding into Botswana we've seen a scenario where because we're labelled as an upper middle income economy it's difficult to actually attract assistance into our country because the narrative or assumption is that we're good how have you managed to uh, manoeuvre that terrain?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. When you look at Botswana, uh, you see it's a country with good economy, so it's actually been very tough uh, to fundraise particularly for Botswana mm. but one of the things that is interesting, particularly when you look at education, uh is that we are still behind in terms of quality learning in our country. We actually perform far worse uh, than Kenya or Tanzania. So one of the things that is very interesting to do in those kind of scenarios is we lead with evidence uh, of the problem. I think if folks you know understand that in Botswana our education learning levels are quite significantly low, but also when you look at our HIV uh, statistics as well as new infections in the country, uh, uh, young people, you know, are still uh, dealing with uh, with that, right? So uh, our country, in some sense, has done lots of, you know, improvements. But also when you look at the reality on the ground, there's still a long way to go. So leading with evidence, leading with data is sometimes important to identify the problem. But also, I think, finding um, partners that will be able to understand your vision and as well as what you aim to do. Uh and I think that's always has been helpful. And one of the things that I mentioned earlier on is carving out your niche. Mm. Uh, we are an organization that bridges evidence and action together. Mm. And there are funders and, and donors that are supporting that mission. Mm. Uh that are really, you know, firm believers that you can't have one or or the other, right? If you have too many, much, you know, evidence and research, you never get to do anything. But if you you know, do anything without backing it up by data It then just, you know, remains as a nice thing to do So we, there are funders in this space uh, That have, you know, been with us Since our journey started in, in 2014 uh, To where we are now uh, We get a lot of, you know, support um, From unrestricted funding uh, And that has, you know, been able to uh, Carry us, you know, through as an organization And I think one of the things that's very unique, especially uh, about, you know, the donor world is that they want to know what you are about uh, and hence why, you know, building the brand of the organization is so important, uh, but also sharing a lot, leading more with uh, our programs, Mm -hmm. right? Being very program focused um, is is so important because you actually want uh, to show results, but also to actually change lives, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day. Uh, so we have a team that's just you know really magnificent uh, on thinking about our program design as well as our curriculum, um, and and I think that also is is a unique thing uh, for for an organization thinking about um, donor funding. And then just lastly to say that there's some technical aspects to it as well in the sense that we are registered as a society uh, in in Botswana. We also had to register as a foundation in the U.S. for us to be able to tap into the international funding Uh, and many other things that I can share more about. So uh, happy to always, you know, chat with anyone just around uh, how to tap into that international market. But there's also some technicalities to it. Uh, But one of the things that I can say is just, um, again, uh, to remain, you know, mission focused and really love uh, what what you do. Mm -hmm.
0: Let's close it off by saying this. I mean, let's talk about social capital and uh, your intent, being intentional around it. Um, You've had the Queen's Young Leaders Award uh, that was given to you by Queen Elizabeth II while she was still alive. I think that was, that's a cool privilege. And then, you know, you were also in 2019 named as an Obama leader for Africa and you're part of um, a capacity building program. Has this added any value to the work that you do? You have the potential for you to attract funding or attract the right talent to work with. Uh, let's talk about the concept of social capital. I think the, that concept is so important. Mm-hmm. And
1: here is why. I believe your network is your net worth. Mm-hmm. And this is often said, you know, quite loosely, but it really is meaningful. Right now, if I go to any African country, I know someone. Uh, and it's because of, you know, the fellowships as well as the recognitions. Uh, So for example, right now, if we are expanding into Namibia, I tap into my Obama leader network, you know, they know a teacher, they know a minister, they know someone who works in education, and they make that link. Uh, And that has also been so helpful in thinking about expansion, in thinking about opportunities, when we advertise, you know, for a role or a I share with, you know, my network, uh, and they're able, you know, to be able to send recommendations, uh, recommendations of opportunities, uh, of funding and so forth. So it really does help, right? I can never, you know, travel, um, you know, in Africa and not have, you know, someone that I know or a family. Uh, And that makes all the difference into learning about their cultures, but also into knowing that you have built, right, a strong link, uh, you know, for your work to be able to be carried forward. So absolutely, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Cool. Let's close it off um, by talking about how you bring all this global exposure that you have to trying to scale this to young people in Botswana, um, still around social capital. Your last words and maybe touch on um, your role around the Buzana National Youth Council?
1: Absolutely so I'm on the mission uh, as Municipal Macheng to be able to have sustainable solutions uh, that will be able to impact young people economically um, for their development and I think tying it into being a social entrepreneur also being the board chair of the Buzana National Youth Council and many of these other accolades I'm always on the mission to say that how can we get our young but Botswana impacted in a way such that it can change their lives, but also they can actually do better and realize that they ought to do their part in whichever corners they're in. And how do we do this? By bridging, you know, the link between NGOs uh, as well as working with government. But I think at the end of it all, we want results. We want things to actually happen. So that's always been my drive to say, what can I do in my small little Yana corner to make a difference
0: and to bring results? Thanks for coming on to the podcast. Thank you so much, Yandy. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I hope you agree with me now uh, around my concept of Botswana bread uh, brilliance. Conversation with uh, Muitepi Macheng. Cheers. This is the Convo Lounge. Expression. Exposure. Experience.